Well, let's get to uh, probably the the most important part of the book of Hebrews. Um, so it's all downhill after tonight. Um, but uh, but what we're going to answer tonight, I hope, is is the question, the great question that many people ask: How do I enter in? How do I live this Christian life? How do I rest in God? And we're going to try to explain some of that. Um, I don't promise that uh, you won't be disappointed with the answer, but I, I'll do my best. Um, so let's understand a little bit about rest first. You know, for many people, this is our lives. We, um, we are so busy and on the go. I, um, I feel at times like I'm spread so thin that I, I wish that I had more hours in the day. And, and we're adding so many things. And, and imagine now this guy got saved. Then he would ask, the, you know, need another seven arms, you know, to do all the studies and read his Bible and pray and do all sorts of things. And, and so we, we have such a, a dynamic about our lives where it's all about go, 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 go. And that's made worse when you get to North America. We're far worse than, than most of the world when it comes to this, this attitude of, of rush, 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 rush. And, um, and then Jesus comes along and He invites us into rest. Come unto Me all that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And that's an invitation that just melts my soul. Especially when I've been experiencing the leanness of my bad choices. So let's understand the rest of God. What, what does the rest mean? Well, there's three different types of, of rest that we might understand. Uh, one rest is a salvation rest, which is resting from our failures, our past, our being separated from God and so forth. That is a, a past rest. That is something that has happened in the past. Uh, another rest is a rest that we could enter where after we die... We get to rest from sin. We'll never have any more problems with sin. There will be no more death. There will be no pain, no suffering. This is where in Revelation it talks about there's no more tears. And so that's looking towards the future. But there's another rest, and that's a rest for today. It's a rest from performing, from striving to earn grace, from pretending, from controlling, from trying to impress people. It's a rest for today. Guess which one of these three the writer of Hebrews is referring to? It's the third one. He's not talking about their past because they've already entered into that rest. He's not talking about the future because he's saying today you can enter into that rest. So what he's saying now is it's a rest that we can have right now. A rest from our striving in our own strength. Can I keep going? Now, I want you to understand, this rest is not an external rest from works. It's an internal rest in Christ. We, we so often equate rest to going away on a vacation or a retreat somewhere where we, we have someone else cook our meals and wash our clothes and care for us. 
and now I can rest. That's not the rest he's referring to. It's, it's not a form of passivity where we're doing nothing, but instead it's living from resting in Christ. So it's not a rest from works, it's working from rest. There's a big difference in those two. And unfortunately, many people, when they hear this, they hear passivity because they hear, let Jesus live. And they're immediately thinking, well, then what do I do? What does that tell you about the relationship they have with Jesus? What do they think about the proximity of Jesus? Where is He? In that thinking. If I let Jesus do it, then I've got nothing to do. Where's Jesus in this? Somewhere else. Somewhere far, far away from me. And I'm not involved in that. But if Jesus lives in me, and He's going to do it, guess what? I'm going to be involved somehow. I'm going to play a part in that. So, what is this living from rest? Well, the best way I can explain it is it's the sweet spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was thinking of modifying this diagram and then, you know, putting the sweet spot and then Ross everywhere else. <laughs> uh, especially here, where it says with. Because that's, how, you know, my golf is just bad. I mean, it's not pretty. And... Um, and the sweet spot is that middle part of the club where when the club and the ball hit, everything just works. The ball doesn't hook, doesn't slice, it goes straight, it goes far. Some of you have never heard of it, seen that before, it's just a rumor. Uh, but it happens. That's so what I've seen on TV. And, and that's the sweet spot where just everything clicks. And that's what it is like the rest of God. It's where everything lines up. And you, you have that sense of it's working. Life is what it's supposed to be right now. I have that contentment. I have that peace. I'm at rest. But I'm active. It's the sweet spot in life. And that's the invitation that we're given to enter into. To enter into that sweet spot with God. So the question then is, how do we enter into it? That's the, that's the million dollar question. How do we enter into the rest of God? And thankfully, Scripture is going to let us know. So in Hebrews 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, let us fear if the promise remains of entering His rest. I want to draw our attention first that let us fear if there remains a promise. This is, this is something that is significant. This isn't something that we just nod our head and give mental assent to. This is something that we should be very aware of. Let us be afraid if we don't. You know, fear does, so, does some good things, I think. Press the wrong button. Fear does some, some wonderful things. For example, uh, if you're afraid of being hit by a car, you'll be careful when you cross the road. Um, if you're afraid of dying of a heart attack, you will watch what you eat. Uh, if you're afraid of losing your marriage, you will avoid adultery like the plague. Fear is a wonderful thing. Fear is a great thing. And so here the writer of Hebrews is saying, in this case, fear is good. Be afraid that you would miss out on the rest of God. Be afraid that you would miss out on living in that sweet spot as long as this promise remains of entering into this rest, as long as there's still an opportunity, any one of, any one of you may seem to have some, come short of it. So you don't miss out on it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also... 
But the word they heard did not profit them. They heard it, but they did nothing with it. Why? Because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. And so the entrance point, the key to this, is believing. Now, there is, there is probably no better verse that I know that describes the rest of God than Galatians 2.20. It describes it in the three parts. How God made it possible, what the rest looks like, and how do I enter in. What the, what the, what, how God made that rest possible, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He made it possible when not just Jesus died on that cross, He included you and I. He baptized you and I. He placed you and I in Him on that cross. So when Christ died... You and I died with Him. We were set free from our old self. We were set free from who we used to be. That's how God made this this rest possible. It's at the cross. And what it looks like now is it's no longer I. It's no longer me and my own strength and my own abilities. It's no longer that old wretched sinner who lives, but now who lives? Christ lives in me. Not out there. He lives in me. He lives through me. And so now, that's what that, this life can look like. Christ living in me. There is a, a great quote from the book, The Rest of the Gospel, that I want to share with you. How many people have read The Rest of the Gospel? Let that be a lesson to the rest of you. Um, it, it is one of, if not, my favorite book. I, I truly... And blessed by this book every time I read, every time I read it, it's such an incredible book about the rest of the gospel, the rest that is in the gospel, and the rest that we've missed in the gospel. And so this is what he says about the rest of God. He says we have lived the Christian life as a struggle. And it's not meant to be a struggle. It's meant to be a rest. We enter that rest when we learn to live as Jesus lived from the life of another within us and out through us. So we enter into His rest when we discover that it's not about me trying to pull off the Christian life, but when we learn the lesson that Jesus taught us and was showing to us that we live life from another. Until then, we try to reproduce a life that is foreign to us. We try to represent or reproduce the life of God and that's apart from us. We can't do that in ourselves. But in the intimate union of our spirit with God's spirit, that life will be spontaneously reproduced. The life that comes forth from us is the life of God. That yoke is easy, not difficult. That burden is light, not heavy. And we find rest for our souls. I hear that and I just begin to sink. I begin to rest. Now, it's not a passive life. It's not me sitting in the hammock somewhere. But I find now something the opposite of the leanness of my soul. I find something that satisfies. It goes on to say, I'm not saying that you won't have fluctuations in your soul, in your thoughts and feelings, but I am saying that deep within you, you will be at rest. You will have inner peace because you will be walking out of the life that God has invited you to participate in. In him. 
So you will have days that are better than others. You will have difficult days. You will have great days. You will have happy days. You will have sad days. You will have days that you hit the sweet spot and then you will have days where you hook and slice and whiff. But when we begin to walk in Him, what we will find out is that there is an inner peace behind it all. There is a, a far deeper substance to life because we're participating in His life, not living out from the leanness of our own. And so I'm thinking about how do we illustrate this idea of, of living out of rest and, and it being a continual action and the image that God gave to me was breathing. You know, one of the things that we do with our little girls is, is when they're having a fit and having a temper tantrum, which is quite often, um, we, we get them and we, we look at their, their face and we get them to look at our face and we say, take a deep breath. Because they're, they're just screaming. And they can scream. And, and so they're just yelling and we say, take a deep breath. Okay, take another deep breath. And they got that waiver going, that you know, that wobbly breathe breath, but they do it. And it's okay, take another, take another. And when it inevitably happens, they begin to calm down. And you see, that's kind of like what it is for you and I. We need to breathe to live. The moment you stop breathing, what's going to happen? You will stop living. Trouble's coming. Right? And so we need to continue to breathe. And that gives us life. That we access what we need that way. And the, the breath I breathed a couple minutes ago is great, but it's running out pretty quick. And i got to keep breathing. Continually to breathe. Continue to breathe. Continue to breathe. And that's what it is with Jesus. We continue to rest in Him. We continue to trust in Him. When I need something, I breathe it in. I have you, Jesus. I have His love. We breathe in His life. But you see, what happens when we get stressed? Inevitably, what happens to us? We hold our breath. Whenever problems come, we get uptight and we tense up. And then God comes along and He grabs our face and He looks at us and He says, take a deep breath. <laughs> take a deep breath. It's okay. And all day I've been nervous about today. Feeling so underprepared and, and un, unready to, to teach something so important. And then God says, take a deep breath. You're going to do this, right? <laughs> yeah. And then the awe comes after that. Take a deep breath. Okay. I'm trusting you. And I need to continue to breathe. I can't rely upon the breath I took last week or the breath I took this morning. No more than you can rely upon the devotions you had last week or this morning or the service you went to on Sunday or the prayer you prayed when you got saved. It only lasts for the moment. And that faith, that dependence, that trust should be as common, as simple as breathing. Why do I say that? Because in John 15, He says, apart from Me, you can do nothing. So how often do we got to trust in Him? 
every time we do something, which is every minute. We rest in Him. We breathe. We breathe in His life. We trust in that. And so how do I enter in? That's the last half of this verse. This is what I find so powerful about this verse. It's so loaded. So He's made it possible by the fact that I died with Him. And what it looks like is no longer me who lives, but Christ lives in me. And how do I enter in? Well, the life which I now live. The life that I live in this body on today, this evening, I live by faith in who? The Son of God. The One who loved me. And the One who gave up His life for me. The One who, who is crazy about me. I trust in Him. I depend upon Him. And so the key here is we enter into this life, we enter into this rest by faith, by trust, by dependence. Which is no real surprise because the theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better, so live by faith. So trust in Him. And so in Hebrews 4 and 9, the writer says, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You know, for some people, we've got the Sabbath way out of whack. The Pharisees had that problem. They thought the Sabbath was, the, was so crucial and so important. And Jesus says, you don't get it, do you? Man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. And the whole point of the Sabbath was, again, another type, another picture for man. Another opportunity that we might learn that we ought to rest. In who? In Him. And so this Sabbath rest isn't one day a week taking it off. It's a spiritual rest that we can have every moment. See, in the verses before verse 9, the writer of Hebrews is recalling back creation. And if you go and you read creation, the story of it, it would say, at the end of day one, there was evening and day. Evening and morning. At the end of day two, there was evening and morning. End day three, evening and morning. End day four, Evening and morning. End day five, evening and morning. End day, five, end day six, evening and morning. But there's no end to day seven. So what does that say about how long the Sabbath lasts for? It's ongoing. It's not just a one day a week. It's moment by moment. It's as I breathe. As I enter into this rest. And so he says, so there remains for us, His people... This ongoing Sabbath rest. For the one who has entered his rest and has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. The key for us is we stop working from our works. Now, it doesn't mean you stop working. We're not resting from works. We're resting from our own work that we might enter into His. That we might enter into His rest. So, what that looks like then is we stop playing God. Somewhere along the lines, we bought into the lie that we were to be like God. That we were to live like God. And so, all our lives, we've been trusting in ourselves and our own strength before we came to Jesus. And then after we come to Jesus, we carry some of those bad habits into our Christian walk. 
Because we question, is God really among us? Will He really provide? Is He really there? And so we trust in ourselves. And we're living like God. We're trying to live like God. And we've got to come to the realization we've got to rest from that. We've got to stop living like God. Stop playing God. Not only that, instead of trying to be the Creator, we just enjoy being the creation. Don't bother with writing these down. I'll give you a handout that's got all these on here. It's far more important that you guys listen to me. So, um should have shared that with you earlier. But... Um, It's a wonderful thing to be creation, not creator. I mean, the creator, God, He's got to be perfect for how long? And He's got to do everything perfect for how long? When you're the creation, you don't have that same constraints. You're, it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be a real person now. You get to be the creation. And I find that so restful. The weight of the world comes off your shoulders. It's not up to me anymore. I'm not the one that makes this world spin. I'm not the one that keeps everything organized and on track and planets from colliding. I get to just be one person on a rock. And relax. I get to stop trying to make people love and accept me. There are some who are so desperate to be loved and so desperate to be accepted, they are working their tail off trying to earn that from other people. If I do this, will you love me? If I do that, will you accept me? I mean, I could be I could be pulling my hair out going, I, I hope they like me as a teacher. I hope they think I'm funny and clever and witty and challenging and straightforward and simple and, and entertaining and engaging and you know, long list of things. And then maybe they'll come back. Maybe they'll even say I did a good job. And oh, wouldn't that be great? Then someone will say that I'm good. And then you'll accept me. And it's exhausting. It's funny, there are so many people that say that you know we, we need to be on fire for God and you can't just trust Him because that's passive and that's just lazy. And so there are so many that strive and work and work and work only to burn out. And then guess what, are they? Guess what they are? The most passive people you'll ever find. Because they're striving and they're striving and they're striving. We don't need to do that anymore. We can rest. Wonderful rest. We can surrender control and stop trying to fix people by molding them into our own image. You know, God made man in His own image. And what we do is we marry someone and then we try to make them in our image. We try to make them just like us just like we think they should be. Whether it be our spouse, our kids, our friends, our co-workers, people we go to church with, we try to fix them. And we try to make them into us. And we don't have to do that anymore. 
I can turn you over to God and say, God, you fix them. Because you're the only one that can. <laughs> you are free to the Holy Spirit now. You don't need me to fix you, to run your life, to control you. And I can surrender. I can surrender my rights. I can surrender outcomes. I can surrender whether things are a success or a failure. I can surrender whether you like me or hate me. I can relax. I can drop the mask. There are many masks. One that we often wear is I'm fine. I'm fine. Quit asking. I'm fine. Everything's okay. And I can drop that mask. And say, I'm struggling. I'm having some problems. I'm experiencing the leanness of my soul. I'm tired. I'm frustrated with the Christian life. You can even admit you don't trust God as far as you can throw Him. That's okay. You can be honest with where you're at now. Because of this wonderful message of grace. Because you're loved and accepted. And now you can just be you. Not who you think people want you to be. Not who you think you're supposed to be. But just yourself. You are free to be you. And so you're free to make mistakes. You're free to fail. You're even free to be the disaster you all are. Isn't that awesome? Because how many people have it all together? I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> Far from it. We are all a disaster. And that is just so incredible to accept and embrace. Hebrews 10.10, we'll get to it sometime, says that He has sanctified those whom He is sanctifying. Literally, He has perfected those who He is perfecting. So God has accepted you. He's made you righteous and holy and sanctified and perfect. And now He's bringing it to fruition. So I'm a work in progress. And I'm going to make mistakes. It's not an if, it's a when. I'm going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to make a mess of things. And God's not worried about it. He cares. Because there's consequences to it. Life is about choices, right? But it's okay. Because He's bigger than any choice, any consequence you ever make. He's far bigger than that. And His love never runs out. So you can be a mistake. You can be a disaster. You can fail miserably. And He's still right there. Isn't that liberating? I can rest. So there's some statements of faith I want to make here. How many people have heard that phrase, statement of faith? You go on any ministry, website, or church, and they'll give you their statement of faith. What we believe. Well, this is going to be a little different than what you'll find on most statements of faith. In fact, I guarantee you won't find any of these on a statement of faith. But let's all declare some of these statements of faith. Let's declare this one. I am not God. Can you say that? 
I am not God. Isn't that relieving? Isn't that wonderful? What about this one? I am a failure. Hallelujah, I'm a failure. Isn't that great? We don't hear that. But that's what Paul was saying. I will boast in my failings, right? I will boast in my weaknesses. I'm okay with that. So I am... Hallelujah. I am inadequate and insufficient to live the Christian life. Isn't that a wonderful statement of faith? Again, you won't see this on most ministry websites. (laughs) But that's the reality of it. This is what we should be declaring. I can't do it. This is what John 15.5 is saying. You can't do it. You don't have what it takes. So why not admit it? I agree. I am insufficient and inadequate to live the Christian life. See, we know, how many people know you can't live the Christian life with, without God's help, right? But you know you can't live the Christian life with God's help? You can't do it. Only Jesus Christ can live the Christian life. It's got to be Him. It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. It's not no longer I in my own strength with God, without God's help. It's no longer I. It's Christ. It's all about Him. And I enter in by faith. By trusting Him. What about this one? I don't have it all together. I am not a finished product. I'm a work in progress. What about this one? Same thing. I am a work in progress. I'm losing you folks here, but... Stay strong. I know you're a failure and weak, but stay strong here. <laughs> keep, keep with me. So how do we now enter? What's the positive side of this? If we stop doing one set, what's the other side? The other side is now we can accept that God loves and accepts us, and that's the most important thing in this entire universe. It is the only thing that really matters. The fact that God loves and accepts us, this typo, but God loves and accepts us is the most important thing in this entire universe. Nothing else matters. Nothing else even comes close to matter. Because if that's true, then I don't need your love. It's great to have, but I don't need it. I have to strive for it. I don't have to earn it. I've got the only person that matters already loving me. We live like God actually lives in us. So just pretend. Imagine, if God lived in you, how would He live through you? Imagine that. Because you know what? He actually does. So we actually live like God lives in us, meaning we talk with Him. We listen to Him. We look to Him. We trust Him. We trust Him to provide what we need. We actually depend upon Him. Not just sing songs about it, God, you are my all in all. 
Okay, that's good that you sing it. Now put it in action. Unite that to faith. Depend upon you. We get to love people and accept people because we're already loved and accepted. The fact that I'm a failure and I'm weak and you're a failure and you're weak, that's okay. I can accept you as you are. And I can love you with where you're at. Even if you're in the muck and the mire and having a wasting disease upon you. I can love you. And you can love me when I'm in that mess, mess and messy place and horrible place as well. And we can give others the freedom to fail, to make mistakes, and also to be works in progress. I don't have to fix them and control them. So here's some more statements of faith. You ready? I am loved by God. Say that with me. I am loved by God. By my Father. By my Papa. By my Daddy. By the lover of my soul. I'm loved by Jesus. Don't ever, ever become numb to that truth. Don't ever hear that and just rush by it. Because, again, there's nothing greater. I am accepted by God. He doesn't just love me. He likes me. He embraces me. And I can embrace Him. And today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Keep a soft heart to these truths. I'm secure in His love. It's not going anywhere. Colossians 3.3 3, For since you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There is no safer place. I mean, it is like having a safe within a safe within Fort Knox with you know guards all over the place. You are in a safe place. You're in Christ who's in God. And no one can snatch you from your Father's hand. I will love you always. I will be with you always. There is no safer place. This is the solid ground on which we're building our house. My heart is good because God made it that way. I'm a new person. My old wicked heart is gone died on that cross with Christ. And He raised me up as a new creation. And I have a new heart. And my heart is good. I'm a good person. You're a good person. How do I know? Because God made you that way. That's who you are. And He will provide to me everything I need to live. Say that one for me. He will provide to me everything I need to live. Is God really among us? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And then finally, 
He will complete the work He started in me. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that He who began the work, He will be the one to complete it. It's His job. We saw last week that He is the sanctifier of us. The question is, will we trust Him? Will we put our faith in Him? Will we depend upon Him to do so? Well, what do we do then about this? Well, let me before I share that, let me share a quote with you. It's a quote from uh, Ray Stedman. And uh, he says this. He says, It takes Christ to be a Christian and it takes God to be a man. Did you hear that? It takes Christ to be a Christian and it takes God to be a man. When you put Christ back in the Christian, you put God back in the man. This is God's design for living. This is a new principle of human activity to stop our own efforts. He who has entered into God's rest has ceased from his own works. We do not have what it takes and we never did have. The only one who can live the Christian life is who? Jesus Christ. He proposes to reproduce his life in us for a part For our part is to expose every situation to His life in us and by that means depending upon Him and not upon us. We are to meet every situation, enter into every circumstance and and perform every activity. We cease from our labors. This is the way you began the Christian life. If you are not a Christian, you came to the place where you stopped trying to save yourself did you not? You quit trying to be good enough to get into heaven. You said, I'll never make it. I'll never make it. You looked to the Lord Jesus and said, if He has taken my place, then that is all I will need. Thus, receiving Him and resting on that fact by faith, you stopped your own efforts, you ceased from your own work and rested on His. Now, Paul says in Colossians, as therefore you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in Him. And so, in the same way as you, as you have received Him, so live in dependence upon Him to do all things through you. Step out upon that. And what is the result? Rest. Wonderful rest. Relief. Release. No longer worrying, fretting, straining, for you are resting upon One who is wholly adequate to do through you everything that needs to be done. He does not make automatons of us. He doesn't make us robots. But instead, He works through our thinking, our feeling, our reasoning, our dependent, but our dependence must be upon Him. Rest. I find it interesting in the Word of God, he, in this very passage, the writer has given us some instructions on how to avoid this Error, the warning. So in Hebrews 3.12, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Instead, verse 3, Encourage one another day after today, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What are we to do? We're to encourage. To strengthen our faith. To remind one another about how wonderful our God is. How incredible our Father is. 
how real He is. And it's, it's easy, I think, to remember that on the good days. A little bit more difficult on the, on the hard and sad days. But He's just as real, if not more, on those days. So, I want to play a short video here that will help remind us about this truth. That He is very present in our time of need. And it's a story of, um, of an old hymn. Uh, it is well with my soul. How many people have heard that hymn? There's a powerful story behind it.
And it wasn't the size of his faith that matters. It was in who we placed that faith. He trusted Jesus. So in spite of losing everything he held dear in this world, he could still declare, it is well. It is well with my soul. Because of the rest of God. And if he could be that to Horatio Spafford, he can be that to you and I whether we're having a day like he had when he lost his family, or whether you're having a regular day at work and you're dealing with problems at work or at home or with kids or health or whatever, we can rest in him, cease from our own labors, trust in him to live, and discover that it is well with our soul. Discover the rest of God. Heavenly Father, You are most certainly among us. You are most certainly with us. And You care so greatly for us. As you said about your children when you walked this earth, oh, how long you have craved to put them under your wing of protection. But with them they were not willing. May that not be the case for us. May we trust in you. May we depend upon you to provide what we need be it physical or emotional, to provide the strength and the grace for each and every moment as we breathe in Your life. But may we also trust You to then live in us, to manifest Your life in every situation so that they see the good works and they give You the glory because they're seeing You. May that rest be real. May it be tangible. So that we can declare that it is well with our soul. Continue that work, Father. As we enjoy being the creation. As we enjoy being a work in progress. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message was recorded by Crossways to Life. It is the desire of Crossways to Life to know Jesus deeper and disciple Christians to experience life in Him through the message of the cross. For more information about our ministry, upcoming courses and events, or how to contact us, please visit our website at www.crosswaystolife.org.